Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 88. The third test squad has been announced. There's been fallout from player interactions with the fans and we discuss Eddie's future. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, uh, welcome back. Um, as promised, our midweek episode, we're going to have a look at the uh, the team for Saturday's final test against South Africa. And as always, I'm joined by Dan. Hi, mate. Morning, boss. How are we doing? How, how's the, where, where's your head at? How are you feeling about uh, this test last uh, week, everything? I think it would be so easy to jump on the bandwagon and just start saying, you know, it's it's disastrous it's game over I mean some of the ridiculous stuff that's coming out about how Eddie Jones needs to lose his job and all this sort of stuff and I and I I think you know it's as I say it's easy to jump on that bandwagon but you take a step back and say well hold on a second uh you know this is a guy who who helped England to and I say helped um helped England to a to a, a world record equaling win streak in 2016 an unbeaten year he was he was coach of the year now unless and I'm sure he has two, six, two uh, six Nations titles in a row. Yeah, you know, un- unbeaten down in Australia and all, all these things. And it's unless he's torn up the the kind of the game plan from 2016, which I'm sure he hasn't. I think you have to sort of say, well, hold on a second. He he got it right then. He's doing the same thing now. The rest of the world hasn't suddenly turned around and gone, oh, we know what you're doing. We we know we know how to deal with that. You know, yes, there'll be a, maybe an element of certain aspects of the way England play has been identified but I think we can all agree that the biggest issue with the last two games and you know prior to that Six Nations and so on is discipline and it, yeah you know, we've said it every, you know constantly since since before the Six Nations it comes up in pretty much all other media outlets uh, he talks about it before every game um and and then the players still go out there and make stupid mistakes um, he's he's not coaching them to do that. He, you know, well, that, exactly. That, that 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 can't be. Yeah, exactly. So it's not exactly his fault. He's not saying to them, "Go and give away those penalties." It, it unfortunately, what, what I found and something quite interesting because I I've had a bit of a sort of sour week with it. But actually, when I when I thought about it, so if you look at 2011 World Cup and afterwards the antics like Manu jumping off the ferry and things. The players just seemed a bit out of control, just a bit. And then Stuart Lancaster came in. And in fairness, what he did to him is he installed a real sort of sense of pride, a real sense of dignity about how they betray themselves on and off the pitch. Mm-hmm. And that, to an extent, was great, but also didn't work. When Eddie came in, he's like, right, I want, and these are my words, but I, I want it to just be a bit more nasty, a bit tougher. And he did that, and he did that to great effect. Where I think the problem is, a few things, we, we only seem to go to extremes. We don't seem to be able to find that happy mix between keeping that level of dignity and keeping that edge, keeping that, you know, that bit of nastiness. Yep. We only seem to go one extreme to the other. And also the thing is, so I was a bit pissed off at the weekend with like Ben Young's walking off the interview. Mike Brown and Joe Marler had an argument with a fan and don't get me wrong, I think the fan was pathetic. I think the fan was in the wrong, but you'd still hope they'd just be like, sod him, he's pathetic. But it's 
it sort of shows almost a, I, I think the word we're using is sort of an immaturity. Like a However, almost. Yeah, exactly. However, when you're winning and the players are acting like that, we like it because we're like, that's what gives them the edge to win. Yeah. When they're losing and they're acting like that, we jump on their back. So there is a bit of it, but we're, you know, what they're good for, we slag them off when they win. Uh, well, not we slag them off, we congratulate them when they win. But that same sort of behaviour, we slag them off for when they're losing. So I do think, I do agree with you to an extent, there is a level of, there is a level of, you know, being a bit harsh on it all. However, there is still, I think there can be more of a happy mix. When you lose, I, I, I do think you need to, mm-hmm. I, I do still think there's a way to slightly conduct themselves a bit better. Now, ultimately, I don't care if we win. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of half going against what I'm, you, <laughs> what you I'm saying. You don't care if we win. If we win, I don't really care about those sort of behaviors. Oh, so, yeah, I right. don't care about like yeah, yeah. Mike Brown and Joe Marlow telling the fans to fuck off. In, in all honesty, the fan, the fan was being a prick, and I'm on their side for that. You know, they're not going out there. They're not. Tr- it's not that they're not trying. Um, you know, it's not going right. But you know, to call them a disgrace, I, I think it's bang out of order. I know what you mean. I mean, my my immediate reaction, and whilst I wouldn't have had the bottle to say it to his face. Uh, was to tweet something about England's performance being disgraceful and letting the fans down. Um, see, part of me, part of me says, look, you know, Mike Brown, you you were interviewed, you responded well, and you explained, you know, we're out there, we're putting our bodies on the line, and I get that. And and but you're getting paid a pretty decent amount of money. We've talked about this before. You're getting paid a lot of money to do that, and not yeah. only are you getting paid a lot of money to put your body on the line, but you're doing the thing that you love. I mean, you literally have the perfect job. You, you know, it's yeah. something you're passionate yeah. about, and you're getting paid a shitload of money to do it. So yes, you're putting your body on the line, but you're getting paid to do that. So yeah. I'm not sure that I would say that. Whilst I whilst I don't agree with you know a, an England fan screaming in their faces, I think actually it's their job to not react to that kind of thing. You know, because because they are there representing the fans. You know, it's not it's not Mike Brown and his teammates are out there for themselves, and it's just about them. And if if people want to come and watch, that's their you know that's their business. The reason why these guys are able to get paid all this money is because the fans are paying to go and watch them. So I think there is a, a certain expectation, and I, and we said it last week. If England played brilliantly and were beaten, it would be it would be frustrating, it would be disappointing. But you'd say, do you know what? We got outplayed when. England, yeah. when England start a game like they have done both the last two test matches, sh- proving that they that they are a quality setup when when it's you know when it's going right, proving that they know how to play this game at, at the highest level, and then they put in a performance like they did for the rest of the you know, the following sixty minutes. I I have to say I think that is the players letting letting the, you know their fans down, and that is the players not doing enough. So that may not be so- the most popular view. But actually, I think, hold on a second, guys. Look, it's all well and good saying you shouldn't be spoken to that way because you're putting your bodies on the line. But, you know, we'd all like to get paid a quarter of a million pounds a year to do the thing we love. Yeah, and and so so I do agree with that. They, they did let themselves down. I just think there's... So I, I still think the fans... I think there's a way to go about it. Emotion, that's not the right time. Fine. You can give... And, and as fans, and actually as fans, as... BBC pundit. It does annoy me the way that sometimes Sovetti and his team treat the sort of media. You look at sort of BBC and attack them. It is their job. 
it is their job to question things. And inevitably, some of those questions are, you know, are looking for a reaction. I do think there's a better way to go about it. But also vice versa, from a fan's perspective, I don't think it's fair to be shouting at them. But I mean, these are these are small bits. But what I the reason I bring this up is it sort of almost shows the sort of behaviour of the team. That we're using the word ownership a lot. It does it does almost show that a bit. It does almost sort of show. I remember and someone who over the years I've not necessarily been a massive fan of, but Gavin Henson. I remember one match for. I can't remember if it was for Bristol or, or Ospreys or whoever it is he's been paying for. When a fan tweeted him saying something like, that was a terrible performance for me. And he replied saying, do you know what? My game was off. I need to work on this. Yeah, I need to put in a better performance. And it was kind of like, wow, you, you know, I, I really respected him for saying that. I mean, that, I mean that, that's not, that's, that not that, that's, that's, that's with the benefit of hindsight. That's with the benefit of being able to of sort course. of keep your cool head post-game. Um, exactly. You know, in his, in his, not, in his case, there, in his case, you know, quick selfie and and do his hair, and he's on his way out for the night. But, yeah. um, you know, and, and these guys are uh, are media trained. You know, that it's yeah. part of their part of the professionalism. So I think, yeah, with time to think about your response, that's easy. Um, but actually, it's interesting what you say with the Mike Brown situation because I'm assuming you've also seen the interview with him. Um, and the more, uh, I, the, do you know what? I haven't seen that. Actually. Fine. I mean, it's just it's a five minute um, video interview where where they talk about the incident, and and that's where he's saying, you know, look, I'm I was pretty reserved. I thought, and you know, we're putting our bodies on the line, and we're putting in effort week in week out, and obviously we're frustrated when it doesn't go our way, and all this sort of stuff. Um, but I would I would argue that if that's you guys putting in maximum effort, then we have a problem. Now I don't believe that they were putting in maximum effort. Now the reasons behind that could be could be many. Um, you know, they've they've played a lot of rugby this year, um, but ultimately there there was there was something missing. We've been saying it for a little while. There was there's something missing from the players yeah. in terms of I don't know like that passion to put the shirt on, um, and it's almost like you know in that first twenty minutes. Things are going their way. They get off to a quick start. Few flying tries. They're loving life. And then suddenly, how dare this opposition team challenge us? And their heads go down. And and they don't. They they they're not as switched on. Do, do, do you know something that that really sort of stood out for me? I can't remember who it was, but somebody with a Vermeer and somebody. It was at a breakdown, a whistle went or something, probably England gave away a penalty. And one of the England players like pushed Vermeulen away, not not in a sort of, you know, just in a getaway as they do. And Vermeulen's reaction was just the immediate, they wouldn't back down. They wanted it. You could see in his face how much he wanted it, the aggression. Whereas the England push was almost sort of a like, oh, get out of the way sort of thing. You could see how much the Sappers wanted it. And they did want it more than us. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, although, and I, and I still stick by it, I think this fan was, was out of order, and I think there's a wrong time. But you're right, if Mike Brown sort of just saying, you know, we're trying our best, we're doing this, we're not, if it's not good enough, it needs to be changed. And I think they well, need to accept that. that that's, that's the key, isn't it? Um, and that's the, difficult, that's the difficult job that Eddie Jones has in front of him, is, is working out where on paper he's got the best player in a particular position, but... Actually, that player is not—he's not getting the best out of that player, and therefore knowing when to say, "Look, 
you got to go away and prove yourself again because right now you're not doing for me what what I need in this team. Um, and at this point, at this point, I'm not going to start trying to um, predict what that sh- you know who should go and and what he should do and who he should replace him with. But I, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, stuff that he's dealing with in that respect. Yeah, yeah, and then there is, and I, and I suspect that will be looked at. But um, when because I know we both listened to the um, <clears throat> the BBC sort of rugby podcast. Uh, with with Chris Jones and the Hugo Monia, and, and both of those guys are pretty damn knowledgeable. But uh, it was also him, the Eddie Jones interview, and he said some things that I really did <clears throat> did resonate with me. I, there's some things that I don't necessarily agree with him with, um, but he said, "What made us a good team then will make us a good team again." I yep. do agree with that. Um, he also said that he thinks for us to move to the next level, we do need sort of a level of attrition. It was slightly bound to happen. I do agree with that to an extent as well. I, I, I do, where I, I do, but I think then you look at New Zealand and you say, well, when yeah, they've been, that, they've been that, number one the in the world, argument, number one yeah. in the world for yeah. eight years. When did they go through this? That, so, so that that's the that's the exact argument. It it is a slightly different scenario, but that that's very true. You know, New Zealand don't go through this, and they do get better and better. Um, but. I think, I, think, I think maybe to... I think maybe the, the the you know a better way to to put it wouldn't be like of course you're gonna go you're gonna go through it but to say you know if it happens it doesn't mean the end you know you can get through this sort of a yeah sort of a yeah, yeah situation um, and I genuinely believe that England will because uh, like I say it, it's I, I don't feel like we're being outplayed I just don't feel like we're playing eighty minutes of rugby at the moment. I um, think I think we're making terrible decisions. I, I think we're making. I, I think, <clears throat> and by, by the decisions that includes giving the the ill discipline. Yeah. I mean they're just awful decisions, but just to give away those penalties. Yeah. The decision they're to slap someone ahead. The decision to reach out and grab a ball when you're lying on the floor and you know in front of the referee it's not allowed. The decision to you know roll onto the wrong side of the ball. The, the decision to go into contact with no support around you. The decision not to support the player with the ball. All these sort of little things. Not that, take points, yeah. You know, and, and absolutely. I mean, you know, I don't want to I don't want to point the finger at Owen Farrell and say that it's his fault. Um, yes, you've got to take points, but there are other leaders in the team and, and they would have a game plan as well going into that match. You know, well, it, it, I don't I don't think you go into games like that saying kick all your points you know you, you you look at the way Clive Woodward talks you know it's like always take your points build the score build yeah. the score build the score if Eddie Jones was saying that to his team and maybe this is a, a, a you know a, a complaint of Eddie but if Eddie Jones was saying the same thing to this England side now you would like to think that Owen Farrell in that situation would take the kick because that's kind of been discussed and that's what they've agreed, what they've decided to do so I wonder whether for whatever reason and it's clearly not worked out the decision has been, you know, if you're inside, you know, if you're in that sort of zone, go for the points. You know, maybe England overly backed their line out um, and their ability to to catch and drive, but I'm not convinced we've scored any of those. No, uh, we didn't on this tour. Well, 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 we, we, we yeah, we, we definitely didn't because we didn't score any points after. Well, no, no, after I don't think necessarily last weekend, but I'm saying generally, I don't think we've we've scored a try off the, off a line out yet on this tour, have we? So. No, not, not from memory. You know, our tries all seem to come from, you know, out wide, you know, lovely little passages of play. So 
that frustrates me. I know, I, but but I think that's I don't think that's something that you can say. Well, Owen Farrell's not capable of making those decisions. It, it needs to be discussed beforehand. And I like the way that Clive Woodward talks about build a score, build a score, build a score, constant pressure on the opposition. Um, and it would, in hindsight being what it is, it, it would it would obviously, it's easy to say, well, particularly in the first test, you know, that would have, well, probably won us the game if we'd, if we'd done that um, because it would have put more and more pressure on South Africa. I mean, you just don't know how things would turn. But um, it's it's a pretty good sort of game plan to have going into any match, uh, I think. Well, Rather than lot, relying people, on on you know awesome passages of play to run you in yeah. wingers tries. Well, exactly, and a lot of people seem to give Clive Woodward a hard time. Now, one thing I say about Clive Woodward, he knows how to build a winning team, and and it wasn't just it wasn't a one off World Cup win. I mean, we were the best team in the world, and we were sorry. So you know, he he does have a fair point, and they did it based on on that. You, you know, build the score, take the points where you can. Yeah. Fair enough. We had a Johnny. We don't, Owen Farrell, as great as he is, his kicking's not as good as a Johnny, but we suddenly still, if we're taking those kicks a goal, say we've got six points in them, that still makes a big difference. Yeah. We're still then massively in the game to the end. It changes the dynamic of the game. Yeah. It changes the way we play. And the whole, the whole sort of go for the corner, go, of a try, the risk reward to me is not paying off. It's not paying off anywhere near what it should do. So it frustrates me that we're still doing that. I, I think um, you, you know. I think you limit you limit that sort of decision to to when obviously at the end of the game if you need it because you you, you know you're running out of time. Yeah. Uh, but even yeah, then, exactly. but yeah. even then, there's a decision about you know are we going to need the three as well. If you're six points behind with five minutes to go, of course you go for the corner. If you're eight points behind with five minutes to go, I don't. I, I suppose actually that's probably a bad example because maybe then then you have to weigh up what's more likely that we're going to get a penalty well, in then, kicking then, range. Then or, just, then it, then, so yeah, yeah but, but anyway, that's but that, that's again that's a scenario will have been discussed in, in you know in house. What I don't think is that when you're three points behind going into half, time, you know, two minutes from the end of the half. That you go for the corner rather than level the scores. Oh, sorry. In fact, no, not even then. You are three points up. Sorry, three points up with about five minutes left in the half. Why not make it six? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I, I think we were two points up because we ended up going in down, didn't we? I think we went in thirteen twelve. But right. either way, you're, you're exactly right. Why? It, it, it almost seems. And yes, the aggressive side. And like we said, we, we kind of like that aggressiveness. That nothing. You've still got to you still got to manage a game. A I, game yeah. of rugby, you still need to manage, and you still need to control it. And I, do you know? You, what? I've been, not- so, so I think one of my biggest problems with having your your kicker as your captain is, from Owen Farrell's point of view, and I, I don't know what he's like from a personality point of view, but you know, is there an element of he's going? Look, I don't want to let the side down. So if my captain told me to kick that, I'd go and kick it and do my do my best and probably stick it between the pins. But when it's my decision, I don't want to say I'm going to take the points and then miss it, and I've let the team down. I'd rather go to the corner and let you know eight to fifteen men try and create points. Uh, I, do you know what I mean? I like, don't think I, I, I do know what you mean. I don't think Owen Farrell would back down from that challenge. Oh, I don't think he would. I don't think he'd back down from the challenge of taking on the kick. But it's but when the when the decision to take that kick is his and he's the kicker, I think it's some. I think for him, it would be so much easier to have 
a Dylan Hartley or in fact anyone else as his captain say, Owen, I want you to put that through the pins. So, so the, the Dylan Hartley thing is interesting because both you and I are saying, you know, if he's fit, and, and let's let's take this the injury and whatever happened to him, we obviously wish him a massively speedy recovery and everything's fine, but we've both said we want him back. And 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 I and I do, if he, you know, assuming he's playing well and things. But did you hear the Eddie Jones interview where he said that Jamie George now with Eddie you don't want to read into things too much, but he said Jamie George has now moved to the starting hooker. Well, he didn't say that. He uh, said he said Jamie George has has had you know has taken on the role of starting hooker, and he's basically doing doing a, uh, a great so, job. So, so, I, so I think I've imagined something that wasn't there then. Yeah, I think enough. it was it was more of a yeah. Jamie George on this tour is the starting hooker because don't forget Eddie Jones okay, has pretty okay, much caveated okay. everything with this is the best team from the players that were available. He also pointed out um, that we're currently missing four hundred and fifty caps. Through injuries and resting, so 450 yeah. international caps are at home as p- potential test players. Yes, um, you know, which is a lot, and it doesn't mean to say that all that, that all of those caps should be <coughs> in the starting 15, 23. But um, it, it, you know, there part of what we're here to do is make excuses because if we don't make excuses, then what do we have to go on? You know, it'd be a pretty pretty boring episode if we simply said there are no excuses. It was shit. Okay, well that's the end of that. Let's move on. Um, so you know, we're going to make excuses. That's that's part of being super biased and believing that England are going to win this World Cup next year. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of my big ones. There, four hundred and fifty caps are are at home. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot at home, and there's a lot that we can that we can be thankful for. But there's like you say, those those caps at home. It's different if you're being outplayed, but when you're making sort of fundamental sort of poor decisions with regards to the sort of discipline and things that that's still something that needs to be addressed. I really hope that's addressed. I mean, it is something that Eddie did touch on and say, but do you know what? If, if we need to lose these now for the players to realize how much, how costly those poor decisions are to stop that happening in the world cup, bring it on. I'm happy to yeah, sacrifice yeah. for losses now. Absolutely, and and I, you know, I think the players need to take they need to take responsibility. Uh, I don't want to hear players like Mike Brown not not defending the 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 um, the way that they've played, but kind of almost saying, "Look, can everyone leave me alone?" Like I tried my best because I don't believe. That yeah, they, that, I don't believe they did, and I think that's the wrong attitude. I think at the end of the day, when you have a loss like that, you know, when you want to be the number one team in the world, you need to. Be, and Dylan Hartley is brilliant at this. Even when England win, he's not happy. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's we want to be better. We want to be better. We want to be better. Um, not we did our best. You know, that's completely the wrong the wrong approach. So you know, for that reason, I'm not. Yeah, I wasn't overly impressed with his with his response um, to that whole incident. Anyway, let's but let's move on to. The test that's coming up, uh, and just before we do, I just wanted to um, say a quick thank you. So we've had a we had a couple of responses to our our little rant from the beginning of last week's episode or the last episode um, <laughs> about uh, one of our listeners or one of our ex listeners, although maybe he's still listening. Who knows? Um, so yeah, a few of you coming back and just uh, letting us know that you that you are still happy with the way that we uh, biasedly support England. Um, and that you enjoy listening to what we have to say. So really appreciate those. And there's one in particular. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, one in particular, I got a message here. Um, 
says he's well, it's Cameron King is his name, Camalama or something is his Twitter handle. But yeah, Cameron King, and he says, um, "Hi guys, I'm a listener from Glasgow and thoroughly enjoy the pod, even though as an avid lover of Scotland." Uh, of Scotland rugby, rather, um, and everything Scottish, I probably shouldn't be enjoying this. However, mm-hmm. I do. I find your take biased, yes, but what country wouldn't? In regards to the last pod and Wayne, whatever his name was, ignore him and as the French say, fuck the haters. Um, <laughs> I don't know if the French say that, but... Uh, <laughs> he says, you're giving an insightful and heartfelt view on English rugby, and although this is a dip in form... Uh, I'm sure like any other team on their day, there's every chance England can win the World Cup. Every chance. Of course they're going to win. Uh, although I hope they don't. Ha-ha. Uh, I look out for a new episode every week and relish listening to uh, listening to them on Spotify when out with my dogs. Keep pumping out that decent content from Cameron King. So really appreciate uh, your, your feedback. Really appreciate you getting in touch. Um, it's nice to... Uh, it's always nice to hear from you, from you guys, um, and particularly when it's in reference to something we've said the week before, because it just kind of shows like a really good level of engagement. So we really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Thank, thanks a lot, Cameron. And being uh, certainly from my point of view, being the fickle man I am, that that definitely does give me a boost. Scotland is my second favourite team now. <laughs> uh, but uh, actually, it's do, do you know what was interesting? And and this and and this, I think, will hopefully build us up to the team selection this week. So Scotland got quite a lot of abuse last week um and and i'm this is sort of relevant to england scotland because they lost to the usa by a point now scotland put out a team and you know they had a lot of new cats a, a lot of people who hadn't got the international experience and yeah it's a shame to lose the usa but a few points that i was thinking from this is firstly it, it's not that big a deal there's a lot of players that have got missing so, usa are actually not a terrible team right now that they're, they're probably not that far away from Italy. I'm not saying they're great. But also, I think that Scotland would have learned a lot from those new players. And it may be that they've learned these guys aren't ready for Test Rugby yet. But that loss, I think, at least Scotland have learned something from it. Whereas one of my sort of complaints that I say to you a lot, mate, is I don't know how much we're learning from these losses. Hopefully we're learning a lot. Hopefully we're learning about the discipline, like we say. But if we're putting in the same players week in, week out, how much are we learning? Whereas at least Scotland put out a new team and thought, do you know what? These guys probably aren't quite ready yet. Yeah. Um, and and I think that probably brings us on to sort of the team this week. Well, because yeah, so so well, before we kind of mention the team, so we we we'd have we've had a, been chatting kind of throughout the um, throughout the week, and it, there's been an awful lot of chat on Twitter. Obviously, um, I'm just going to pull up. So I actually I put a team together of what I wanted to see. Um, mm which I thought would be, be interesting to have a look at that and then compare it to yeah, yeah. to what actually happened. So I I said, for, so first up, I wanted to see a complete switch at the front row. Um, so see the, the finishes start and the starters, obviously, minus Mako finish. Um, for those that don't know, Mako has uh, gone home early. He's just had his baby. Um, so congratulations to him and the missus. Um, but yeah, uh, so I wanted to see Marla, Cowan, Dickie and Williams starting. I wanted to see Launchbury and Isekwe starting in the middle um, and then have Shields, Simmons, because obviously Sam Simmons, for those that don't remember, was awesome in, you know, when, he, when he played for England um, and has been on the bench, or, or sorry, has been in the touring squad but not involved for the last two matches. Why? I don't know. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, so I wanted to see that as my, as my kind of starting 
pack. Who, who, who was your who was your third back row? So was it Curry? So Shields, Simmons, and Curry to start. Shields, cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on the bench have Hepburn, um, George, and Sinclair. Um, yeah. Covering the front row to come on, and Itoje involved, but on the bench because I almost feel like if you if you drop him from the twenty three, it might say it might send the message that we want to give you a rest. Whereas I think put him on the bench, it sends the message that we don't think you're you're in the right place to start right now. So I wanted him involved, but on the bench, um, Hughes uh, on the bench. So you've got that option of bringing on that kind of impact player, um, and then my backs. I wanted to see. I wanted to stick with Ben Spencer to start because he's been on the bench. Um, I have Spencer, Cipriani, um, Farrell. I then wanted to see Daly at 13, which I've talked about before, but I'm not overly upset that he's not. Um, Solomona and May on the wings. And Woodward, uh, who's also out on tour and plays 15 week in, week out, who hasn't been used. See him him at the back. Um, And then have Robson, who we've been calling for for a while, ready to come on and change it up at, uh, at Scrum Half, Lazowski and Nathan Earl as our backup winger, who's also looked pretty yeah. sharp when he played for England. And I, and I, I just feel like with a, tour, with, a, with, a, with a test series already lost, so going into the, the tour, I, I, I didn't want it to be about trialling lots of new players. But I feel like with the test series yeah. already lost, you know, give these guys that you've taken on tour for the last four weeks or however long it, it, it will have been, Give them a chance, you know. Fair enough if you don't think they're first choice, um, and and it's a series decider. But it's not, you know. We've we've made sh- quite sure of that um, with the way that we've performed. Oh. So I would have been inclined to say, you know, the, the, the kind of the first team haven't performed. So let's give the others a chance, and it would have given us an, a really good insight into what those guys are like. You know, love him or or hate him, um, Ben Youngs. Is proven, you know, whether that's what you're looking for or not. You kind of know everything you need to know about him. He doesn't need to be tested to see if he's still good enough. So, is there any value in having him involved on this? You know, I, this I, last I, I, I like I like the sound of that team. The the only thing I would have done slightly different to you, I think, is well, it's a couple of things. Overall, I think it's sort of pretty similar. I would have, uh, I'd like, I probably would have started Robson. Purely because him and Cipriani played together at Wasps. So I yep. think that would have been quite nice for them to start together. And I think at 13, I probably would have kept Daly at fullback. I'd still had Solomon and May on the wing. I wouldn't mind seeing Lazowski start at 13. Just because he's playing, he played so well for Saracens the last few games. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I've still, I'm still buying into this Daly at fullback thing. And I, I know we're slightly different on that, but... I'm I'm still hoping that's going to turn into something magical. Yeah. Well, look, let, I mean, you know, so anyway, this this year, so this was a this is what I wanted to see. Uh, this is not <laughs> what we're going to see. Um, what has materialised? Yeah. So, I mean, the big, I guess, the big, the big news is that Danny Cipriani starts at ten, which we've all wanted Great. to see. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a decade since his last Test start for England, um, and that ironically was against South Africa, which I think we lost. Um, yeah, back in whenever it was, two thousand eight, I guess. Two thousand and eight, yeah. Um, so that's that's great. However, you know, as one of the the best attacking fly halves in the Premiership right now, um, you know, he he wants a a pitch like the last two, <laughs> where he can get out there and run about a bit. Um, we're actually we're expecting it to be wet and windy. Um, so yeah, it's that, not ideal not... for him. I just I really hope that he pulls it off 
uh, in style um, because I would hate for him to be thrown in to what really is the deep end uh, and told to sink or swim. Um, I, I, I think I think Danny Cipriani's got enough about him to, to swim. The, the conditions are... So you say best attacking fly-off in the Premiership. He's best fly-half in the Premiership. Uh, I, I think by some way for me this season... Um, the conditions aren't ideal, but I still, I'm backing Danny Cipriani to really, really put that 10 jersey under pressure because even when he came on for the last 10, 15 minutes, whatever it was last week, he just had something. He just had a sort of a bit of energy, a bit of something that was missing. He just seemed to really and if he can bring that to the game this week even if the conditions aren't great if he can just bring that bit of his you know whatever it is he has to the game I je think ne that, sais quoi as the French say exactly with a lot of crediting the French with a lot of sayings today. <laughs> um, but yeah it, exactly that because I think Danny Cipriani does have something a bit magical but yeah, very I mean, few fly halves in the world have Bowden yeah. Barrett maybe yeah, absolutely. Um, frustratingly, he's the only change in the backs. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, uh, we mentioned already Ben Youngs. Don't really see the value in including him when you've got someone, you know, in the squad that you haven't seen yet in an England shirt. Um, so, so and I also feel like Ben Youngs has been a bit lacklustre over the last couple of games. Yeah, Fafter Clark has, has, has outplayed him. Fafter Clark has sort of been the better scrum half. But I completely agree. I don't see... I mean, we, we had a bit of a chat about this. To me, that's the biggest where we've lost the most. I'd really want Dan Robson involved, be it on the bench, be it to start. I really think Dan Robson deserves it. He's, yeah. The way he's played all season... So, um, so I, I, I completely agree with you. We had a little chat before the episode today and I was saying to you, that yeah. the thing we've got to bear in mind is that we're obviously not in camp. We don't know what's going on on the training pitches. Um, yeah. For all we know, Dan Robson hasn't, hasn't fully grasped the, you know, the, the, the kind of the intricacies of this England setup. Uh, you know, for all we know, and it's complete speculation, um, you know, he hasn't been performing on the training field and that's one of the reasons why he's not been involved. And if that's the case... Fair enough. Um, so you know, yeah. we are we are making the assumption that he's been as good in training for England as he's been all season. Um, for wasps, yeah. For wasps. Um, if that is the case, then yeah, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I would have had, I would have probably had Ben Spencer starting because you know he's clearly the form, or in in Eddie's opinion, he's clearly the form of the two. That's why he's been on the bench, or he offers something. Um, that Dan Robson doesn't, but then I would have had Robson on the bench. So at least you're giving them both a, a run out, um, and not just a run out. You know they're good quality scrum halves. So um, I think I'd have done that, um, especially given that Ben Youngs. I don't feel like he's been playing his best rugby. Um, Mike Brown. Well, I mean, you know, apart from anything else, Mike Brown has told us all in, in his in his interview that um, that he did his best and his and his best involved a lot of mistakes. And well, he and has so, actually played fairly well. He, well game one, he, he, he I know he did. made a couple of mistakes. But. Yeah, game one, he played brilliantly, and we all said he has to be involved. Game two, he played fine, and but he did make some some mistakes under the high ball, which is supposed to be one of the main reasons why he's there. 
um, despite you know ups and downs over the last few years because he's meant yeah. to be so solid under the high ball. So we don't want to be seeing that from him. But actually, in his case, it's more about his response to that incident. It's more about the way that he kind of went, look, I did my best. Because I think, I think if you genuinely believe that you did your best and lost to a team that's five, six places below you in the world rankings, then there's a problem. Um, not, not anymore. I think we're, I think we're ranked six from the world at the moment. Oh uh, yeah, we, well yeah, not anymore. But at the time, but do you know what I mean? Like you know, yeah. we've gone from second but, in the world down to wherever we are now. But but my point being, I just think that was for for an experienced international player like Mike Brown, who's been around. That's not the risk. And, and having had time to think about it, knowing the interview is coming and being able to prep for it, I don't think the right the right response is to say, I did my best and everyone should leave me Yeah, alone. well, I mean, to me, I think Mike Brown's played quite well. I think he's had a good tour. But, and, and I don't, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be involved, but I don't necessarily see the value. I think you probably learn more by giving Dennis Olimona a start, by giving Nathan Earl a chance runner. Because, it's so hard, isn't it? Because it's one of those where you think, if Mike Brown's going to be the guy who's going to help us win this test match, what's more important to give these guys a shout or to get that win? It yeah. probably is to get that win now. But then it's one of those, if we don't win, we'll all be shouting, you know, that's ridiculous. We didn't learn anything from a new player. So, you know, you sort of, it's very you're damned tough. damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Um, yeah, as, as the French would say. Yeah, as the French would say. Henry Slade also gets another shot. I don't. I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that's the right. That's the right call either. But there it is. Um, so yeah, a bit, bit. Um, really happy to see Danny Cipriani in there. A little bit disappointed yeah. that there aren't a few more changes, um, or at least you know some other options on the bench. Um, because I, I like Johnny Hill on the bench. Well, so let's move on to the forwards. Um, oh, Mako, uh, sorry, uh, Mako, as we said, has gone home. So Joe Marler comes in for him. Otherwise, no changes in the front row. Um, I mean, Eddie said he's really happy with the way the front row have played. Uh, so he clearly, I mean, he knows far more about what he's looking for in a front row than we do. Um, I didn't think they'd been that that great. Um, maybe it's just yeah. you know, if you're if you're one of the front the front row boys, you tend to find yourself. On the wrong side more often than not, Jamie George has had a few issues with, I, with the I referees. think Jamie George has been really unlucky with a couple of his penalties. They did. There was an analysis where they showed some of the penalties Jamie George was given against him. I actually thought he was really unlucky because he made the tackle. He went in. Yes, he's on the wrong side, but then he's rolling away. He's in his arms. Not actually, in my mind, he wasn't actually blocking the ball. I, I did think it was really tough the penalties yeah, against him. So, but yeah, so so yeah, no 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 changes there other than obviously uh, Marlow in for Mako, um, which means that the front row replacement is Luke Cowan Dickey again with uh, Hepburn and Harry Williams. So yeah, no, that's kind of what I wanted to see, but just not necessarily in the in the same order. But that's fine. Um, and then yeah, Johnny Hill comes in as. Second row cover because we've got uh, Launchbury and Atoje starting, which is it's kind of weird to be questioning that. You know, yeah. six months ago you'd be like, amazing, Launchbury yeah, and Atoje yeah. in the middle, that's awesome. Uh, I just feel quite strongly that Mara Atoje needs a little kick up the ass, um, and yeah. I feel like dropping him to the bench would have given him that. But 
it, it's it's kind of weird. I so I mate, I'm with you. But it was weird what Eddie was saying that he's become a lot more vocal. This story. It sounds like behind the scenes, Marrow's been quite yeah, you, you maybe, know, quite a presence, quite a maybe beneficial he's been told, presence. But, maybe he's been told, you know, I'm looking at you for my future captain. You need to start acting like one, so I can see it. Who knows? Yeah, uh, but we the, we we, we all we loved him. We loved Mako for captain not that long ago. Um, he just doesn't Mar- seem nearly as vocal to us yeah. you know, from, from, from a spectator's point of view as he did when he first got came on the scene. And I think we just want to see that from him because it just shows that passion that seems to be it, lacking. But, you know, if it's, if it's there behind the scenes, you know, he just, and he's just, it's just a case of he's got to get on and do his job. So, so to play, to play devil's advocate for Mara, so it, it, people may be saying that, you know, I don't know. I guess you wouldn't mind seeing a captain whooping and thing. Like, I don't know. Maybe there's something said, but and also for Marrow, I would like to see him rested because, again, we know what he can do. Johnny Hill, I really like. I'm really glad he's on the bench. He he kind of reminds me. He's had a really good season for Exeter. He kind of reminds me a bit Joe Launsbury yes, the way it's a real workhorse, yep. a real honest, a real honest game of rugby that you'll get out of him. So. I'm glad he's getting a chance. He'll come on. And I just think Marrow could do with, just do with, sort of take the pressure off, have a rest, Marrow. I, I mean, I wouldn't have been annoyed if he wasn't in the 23, to be honest. Yeah, well, it yeah, have, um, yeah I mean, so my, my, yeah, I thought originally I, that's, that was my thought process. And then I thought, actually, do you know what? I want to see, I want to see him think, I'm, I'm not guaranteed. It, it feels to me like he thinks he's guaranteed a spot. And although he probably is, I want him to know that there are other people being looked at and, you know, it is still necessary to prove yourself week in, week out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess that pressure comes back when you have crews and laws, on, you know, as well as your Johnny Hills and, and whoever else he's got out there uh, in the second row, you know, back, back in both form and fitness. Uh, which isn't the case at the moment. So I don't know. Hopefully this is, you know, if he's, Eddie says that he's improved from game one to game two. Let's hope that he improves even more in game three and we see Marrow of old, you know, he can go back to being known as Sir Marrow of Otoje. <laughs> he certainly can. And, and, and I, I still love Marrow's a bit. I still think he's one of the finest players in the world. I, I just want him to find that bit of form for England, like like he did for Saracens. Um, and I'd love it if this weekend is a weekend, but that happens. I say that I say that a lot at the moment. Yeah, we just we'd love it if anything happens that results in England having a larger tally on the scoreboard at the end. Um, yeah. So yeah, so finally the back row, Chris Robshaw comes back in because Brad Shields is ill. A lot of chat about is that just uh, the, the England camp saying it because they've dropped him and they don't want it to seem like another Sam Burgess. I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I think, I think Brad Shields has looked fairly useful. Yeah, I think I think Brad Shields and the whole Brad Shields thing. I, I don't. I, I think he's going to add value to being in part being in the squad. He's, he's going to be playing for what? So I'm glad he was part of the yeah. touring party. Yeah, uh, forces eyes onto him, and as you say, you know, if we, we, and you know, a very a very senior player. Um, interestingly, yes. interestingly, we took all this chat about captain, and because he's only just appeared on the scene, we've all. You know, we've we've obviously chosen not to even think about him from a from a captaincy point of view, but he's been doing that job for a while for the Hurricanes. 
I, I, yeah, he has. And and I think he's a great leader. I think the problem is, is it's his first season in England rugby. I, I Will don't Carlin? know. I necessarily want him to be. Yeah, but but we'll, don't forget, Will Carlin sort of grew up in English rugby oh, yeah, generally, yeah. and and Will Carlin was young, but he sort of you know he knew the game slightly different time. I I, I told you who I want the captain. I I still want Launchpad. The Launchpad. Um, the other so so Sam Simmons finally gets a showing on the bench. Um, good. Yeah. Good. He's. I, I he's kind of feel he's like so much energy. I would have really liked to have seen him at six. Yeah, you know, yeah. With 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 Nathan and Tom Curry. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like he's been put on the bench as number eight cover because Eddie has said he's a number eight, not a flanker. But I really want to see him at flanker. Um, and I think it would have been the perfect opportunity to put him in there with Curry and Hughes. Um, if necessary, put Chris Robshaw on the bench as a as a sort of less as a finisher and more as a if things are going wrong, he can go in and maybe shore things up a little bit. But um, he's not. He's on the bench. Hopefully, we'll see. Well, I'm sure we will see him, and, and hopefully, he can he can make an impact again. Uh, it'd be lovely to see him do what he did when he came on for his first cap. Yeah, it's a slightly different opposition, of course, because that's against Italy. But yeah. here's the thing. That, so here's where I question Eddie the most. It's not about you know is he the right man? Is he anything like that? Eddie says he picks. The best players available. That's where I slightly disagree. He, because he picks, he might pick in theory the best player, but I do think there's something to be said about picking somebody who's on great form, like a Woodward, for example, like a Don Armand, like a Sam Simmons, because that does tend to carry on. If you're really on fire for your club and you just bring in a slight level of confidence, and I'm hoping that's what we're going to see with Danny Cipriani. Yeah. Um, because Danny Cipriani's had a brilliant season. And I do think there's something to be said. And this is where I slightly disagree with Eddie. Now, I, you know, Eddie, Eddie's twice for rugby brain than I am, but, or as we figured out last time, 10 times for rugby brain I am. But um, <laughs> eight times me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't get less. Um, but Eddie doesn't, Eddie doesn't really give, doesn't seem to give much much for or much you know much weight weight yeah yeah well how they're performing aren't they and i think that does make a big difference same as i mean i know it's different with cricket or something but you see somebody uh um you you know batting really well cricket coming to the england set up they normally have a good knock because you've got that form you've got that confidence and i'd just like to see that a bit more with the rugby if some because I think there's been a few players who haven't necessarily, if you were picking based on form, wouldn't be involved. Yeah. Um, and have come in, and I think there's some players who have really missed out, even though they've absolutely bossed it. Like a Woodward, I'd love to have seen Woodward have a chance. I think he's been absolutely brilliant for Gloucester. I, I agree. Uh, I was going to say, six months ago, we would have said, by the time this tour comes around, Eddie needs to know who his World Cup 32 is or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, um, we were hinting, weren't we? Yeah. Uh, and we, you know, we, we put quite a lot of weight into it. We were saying how important it was. And then we kind of said, okay, he's got until... Actually, no, we said we said Six Nations just gone, in fact. Not this tour. We said Six Nations just gone. We needed yeah. to know. <clears throat> it wasn't the case. We said this tour. It's not the case. 
you know, he's got the Autumn Internationals. Quite aside from from you know calling for his head and all this kind of stuff, from England's point of view, with a view to the World Cup, at what point is it too late to be trying things out? Or, or you know, if if you're in a situation where you you know, not, and not needs must like injuries, but if you're in a situation where you're just not getting what you need from the players that you've got, do you do you continue to make changes right up until the last minute? It's 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 a tough one because you, that that's a tough way to go into the World Cup. You want them to go into the World Cup with pretty much the same team they had in the Six Nations because you want them to at least have played that bit together. Ideally, so here's here's my other issue with that is come the Autumn Internationals, that's where you probably want the sort of World Cup team to be informed and to have a good idea. But I actually think. You've still got players you need to rest. Like an Owen Farrell, a Maro Toje, a Mako, they will have had no rest for ages. At some point, can they push on through to World Cup? I don't know. Maybe they can. But at some point, you're kind of thinking they could probably do with a bit of a rest. Yeah. And 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 that's so, hard. So, so I guess I guess what my question is, all right, let's say that um it comes round to the Six Nations, two thousand and nineteen. Whatever's happened in the, in the autumn's happened. You've got uh, you've got a Mike Brown who's playing, you know, well, doing what doing what Mike what a Mike Brown does um, at fullback. Let's say, you know, for whatever reason, it's, he's gone back there. Okay, and then you've got a, a Woodward who's absolutely bossing it again. Do you make the change, or do you say actually, you yeah, know, I've got less than I, I, I've got less than pro- probably six months until my until the World Cup starts? Now's not the time to be introducing another key, pl- you know, a new key player. At what point so, do you kind I mean, of say he may not be number one in in England, but he's my choice? And now it's time to sort of say this is what we're going with. This team needs to then come together, and we, the, we you know, with, with the goal of winning the World Cup. So it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a bell end answer to give because it is it's almost a bit of a cop out. But I guess you got to weigh it up and just think who's going to make the team play better. We're taking into account all of those. Like if I bring in a Woodward, he won't be as settled as thing. But the way he's playing, will that add enough value to sort of counter the experience of a Mike Brown? And I think often the answer might be a yes. So, so you would um, and if to make changes case, right up to the last minute. I, 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 I think you can make changes up to the last minute if they're going to add value. Right. If, if, if it's a case of, look, they are playing a bit better form, but actually they're going to disrupt the team a bit. They're not going to know the calls. It's going to be, you know, our game style is going to be a bit harder, so it's not worth it. Then you don't make the change. But I think you can make the changes up to the last minute. You don't want that to be the case. You're of course 100% not. Of course not. And, 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 you know, injuries and things can force it. <clears throat> this is more about where of you course. have a choice. Um, guys, I'd be yeah. really interested to hear your thoughts on that. I will put a little yeah, poll. Yeah, I'll put a little poll on Twitter uh, and, and see what everyone, what people think. But get in touch. Let us know. Um, you know, is there is there a point in which you think Eddie Jones needs to say, right, this is my team and I'm sticking with it now and, and putting everything behind these thirty odd players, or should he be open to change right the way up to the last minute if if he feels like someone has hit a vein of form that's going to make you know, make the difference? Um, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, that's probably a reasonable place to, to to sort of call time on this episode. I mean, quick, quickly predictions. We've been so right so far. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we've, we've bossed it so far. Um, South Africa, but no, England to smash it. England to smash it. Danny Cipriani to have an absolute stormer. Sam Simmons to come on and score two. Um, England by 12. I'm saying England by three. Okay. <laughs> we'll see We'll see what happens. Uh, it might be wishful thinking at this stage, but uh, it's, it's the prediction that we're going for. Um, and uh, hopefully, hopefully the England, the boys can pull it off and just um, start. Do you, there. do you truly believe England will win? Yeah, I do. I do. I don't know why. I, I feel like with, I, to be honest, I think South Africa are going to put out a different side. I think they're going to say, "Look, we've already won this this series. Yeah, uh, let's try I, some combinations." I, I, I want to see the Sapper side. First. And I think That's England, I think England will be able to take advantage of that. So I think England will win, but I think it might be a slightly hollow victory. Well, it will oh, be a hollow yeah. victory regardless. But from an England point of view, it's about getting a, a W back on the board, breaking the, the losing streak and, and being able to say, right, you know, Leaf turned over. Let's, you know, let, let's get this, this whole thing back on track, this whole World Cup um, train back on the tracks. Uh, <coughs> and hopefully that's what happens by yeah, 6.30, 7 o'clock, whatever it will be on, on Saturday. Um, but uh, guys thanks so much for listening to us again today as I say get in touch let us know what you think we're on Twitter we're on Facebook at England Rugby Pod you can email us englandrugbypod at gmail.com there is a website uh, www.englandrugbypod.com um, and, uh, and yeah keep spreading the love uh, rate us review us five stars only please <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah keep, keep tuning in um, and we will obviously be back to bring you the last of our South Africa series live-ish episodes on Saturday um, and uh, you'll get all the reaction pretty much as it happens so we'll, uh, and as, uh, we'll speak to uh, you and as the French and Del Boy would say mange too Rodney mange too <laughs> cheers guys <laughs>